Hey guys, I know that it's been a while since my last episode. I think it was November of 2019. Now it is almost February of 2020. Once again, I apologize for the lack of episodes lately. It's just I've been busy with schoolwork and filming related activities. Anyways, I'm gonna start making episodes for everyone again and make the episodes longer because I'm not a big fan of the shorter episodes. So, enjoy this one. This is EMT Stories. And not just EMT Stories, but the horror stories. Enjoy. Posted this one a while back, but it's always popular. We responded to an apartment building when the caretaker had called us. His initial report was that he went to check on a sweep because water had been reported flooding into the hallway. He informed us there was a deceased lady in the tub. He said he saw her and immediately backed out without touching anything. We entered the suite. It was filled with steam. The humidity had started peeling the paint off the walls and sheets. There was also the smell of cooked meat. Upon entering the bathroom, we found the supposed deceased seated in the tub with the hot water running. From the looks of it, she had been there a while. The skin on her body, all the way from toes to sternum, had started separating. Much like the paint on the walls, it was bubbled and coming up in sheets. I checked for vitals while someone turned off the water and the others went to get a bag and radio for a can. When a body is badly decomposed, we put them in a sheet metal box. I almost shit my pants when I found signs of life. The lady had a pulse. She wasn't really responsive, but she was breathing shallow, had a heartbeat, and was looking at us. We had to get her out. We radioed for EMS and, and informed them we had a live patient with at least 80% burns. They were a few minutes out, so we started to get the patient ready for transport. I don't remember what we were doing when we noticed the water draining from the tub, but what we saw was her torso essentially degloving itself as the water re receded. We immediately plugged the bathtub and continued working her. When EMS arrived, we had to transfer her to the stretcher. That's where things got ugly. We planned to gently lift her out of the tub and place her on the stretcher. However, as soon as we touched her, her skin was coming off in sheets. I remember saying, Sorry ma'am, but we have to do this. As I picked up my section and came away with almost all of the skin I contacted stuck to my arms. That was the only time she made a sound. She probably couldn't feel it due to the nerve damage, but I'm pretty sure she knew she had almost lost all of her skin from the chest down. The water was still extremely hot, so we were also getting burned while doing this. We managed to get her onto the stretcher and EMS took her away. When the bathtub was drained, there was a sheet of skin stuck to the bottom. We had to scrape it off and bag it. I still can't eat certain chicken dishes because of this. We figured she was in the tub and the water got cool, so she turned it on with her toe. She must have had a stroke and could not turn it off again. Being an apartment, it had pretty much unlimited hot water, so that poor lady sat there for approximately three days cooking. She did not survive. We don't get a lot of follow-up on calls, but I heard she passed away. Between a stroke and severe burns, it wasn't likely that she'd make it. But we treat every patient like they have a chance. The human body is a weird and wonderful thing. 
sometimes people do make it through some pretty terrible things. Okay, colleagues, no offense, but you guys need to turn the creep factor up a notch. The first time I ever had someone dancing naked and bloody on the top of a police car during a psychotic breakdown was an eye-opening experience to a rookie. That guy got his blood all over me and ruined my new jacket. He kept staring at me, maniacally, constantly repeating random numbers and saying I am Satan over and over again. It's kind of weird how quickly that sort of run or call becomes routine. I had another psych patient early in my career that sticks with me for gross out factor. She was an Asian lady in her 60s but swore that she was a 15 year old girl. She would keep saying the most morbid and grotesque things over and over. I don't remember exact details but she did talk about being raped repeatedly and having her skull caved in that morning. Then she started going on about how I've been bleeding out of my vagina every single day for the last three years. I asked her if she was currently bleeding because vaginal hemorrhage is a legitimate medical complaint, and who knows, she very well could have been raped. At that point, she removed a bloody maxi pad and threw it at me, smacking me square in my chest. My partner erupted in laughter and said, Dude, that is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. On Halloween, about four years ago, I was working a shift with a good buddy of mine, and we got a run for an unknown medical. We were a couple of cocky mid-twenty-somethings. On the way up the elevator, we got caught up in an argument over A's versus Giants Bay Area basketball. We almost blew off the security guard when he was opening the door to some random apartment. Oh, she's definitely dead, the guard said, and we were instantly like, what? Usually the cops get to this sort of thing before us, plus we had no idea a dead body was involved. Yet there she was, reclined in a lazy boy with her feet up all the way in a position of comfort. Her eyes were rolled back and mouth agape just like in the movies. Over her head was a translucent plastic bag taped neatly around her neck. I don't know if it was the combination of reclined death and a lazy boy, a nonchalant plastic bag, a possible murder, or the fact that it was Halloween. That was a creepy scene. I think we actually had a shooting and a stabbing on that shift as well. In general, the creepiest calls for me are hangings. Something about a body just hanging lifelessly in the dark. The last one I had we were dispatched to without lights and sirens, which itself was weird. We ended up at a safe way with a bunch of cops who had no idea where the hanging was. Apparently, the guy who called it in was casually shopping in the produce section. This guy mentions to us the body was at the construction site across the street. Needless to say, we told the guy to show us where now. Sure enough, there was a well-executed hanging about five feet off the ground. Good rope rigged over a facade and tried to cement blocks on the other side of a chain-link fence. Seeing a dead body hanging in the dead of night is one of those things that stays with you. You keep it in your back pocket so you can tell the story later when someone asks about the job. I have a few other stories I wanted to share, but this turned into a giant wall of text faster than I expected. Thanks to anyone who reads this. In some weird way, it's kind of nostalgic just to think about old times and shifts.
I work search and rescue in Florida, and the area I'm in has a bridge that's 200 foot tall. It has the highest suicide jump rate in the eastern U.S. My job involves searching for and pulling people out of the water, dead or alive. Most often than not, they did not survive. I also help treat heart attacks, strokes, burns, other injuries people get while out on the water. I have pulled many people out, and I can remember every single person, their name, how they looked when I first spotted them floating in the water. Most of the time, it is in the middle of the night, and the bodies are ghost-like floating and looking surprisingly peaceful. I have never had problems sleeping, but the details stay with me. I remember faces and articles of clothing, seeing brand names on buttons on jeans, a bracelet, the way a sweater was torn during impact. It sticks with you, even if it doesn't bother you. You will remember the details. There will be images of faces and injuries that stick in your head. Best things to do, or what worked for me, find an activity that shuts your brain down. I knit or read for a while when I get home from my shifts to help turn my head off for a few and recharge. You also need to have a friend or relative that doesn't mind hearing the details, because sometimes you will come home and need to get something out of your head. Not everyone can handle the details. Also remember that if it does bother you, that is normal. Do not feel like you have to always be comfortable with things you handle or see. It's much worse to pretend it's okay than to just talk to someone about it. I'm always here too. Also, good luck. 999 operator here. I've heard people call in holding their child in their arms as it's turning blue and then dies during the call. Pretty rough hearing parents realize what's just happened. One that sticks with me, however, was a call for fire service from a mother who was upstairs in her house with her kids and the house fire was coming up the stairs towards them. Her scream and children's screams are hard to forget. I never found out how it ended. I have had worse calls, but it's weird which ones stick with you. But listen, don't be put off. You're going to be in a better position to help than me. I just take the calls. You're going to see bad stuff, but you will get a lot of satisfaction from helping people as well. Hope I don't put you off. I'm a paramedic in Las Vegas, Nevada. I worked for one of the private ambulance companies here, but am now in a clinical setting. Everyone always asks me this question or what's the craziest thing and I tell them this story. We were dispatched to a double shooting and we were the second unit in. My partner was fairly new to the company but not to EMS. He was driving and I was mapping in the passenger seat. We were in the number one lane driving code 3. We had just cleared an intersection. I looked down and checked the map and seconds later I felt a big thump. I looked up and thought we had hit one of those small yellow warning cone-like things that they put to show there's a median. I saw this object flipping and couldn't comprehend what it was. Then it all clicked. I gazed into this man's eyes while he was mid-rotation and I was flooded with so damn much adrenaline. I still couldn't figure out what was happening in such a short time that felt like forever. It all hit me. We just hit somebody. I asked my partner, did we just hit that guy? And he was obviously shocked. I called in on over the radio that we came across an autoped. 
I didn't want to announce over our main radio channel that we just auto-petted somebody. We got out and started doing our job. The thing is, usually we're the ones that respond to chaotic scenes and we are calm and collected. But when you cause the chaotic scene, now that's a different feeling. We were lucky enough to have another unit pass by while transporting a patient. The medic got out and helped my partner and I. The guy was obviously a trauma code, so we started following all of our procedures. To sum it up quickly, I called in on the other radio channel what had happened and to send multiple resources into Expedient. Each responding unit had the same exact question. Where's the car that hit this guy? I pointed to the big ambulance and they had the same exact reaction. Oh, fuck. The man was pronounced to our local trauma center and pronounced dead. I wasn't able to talk about this for a few weeks until everything was all resolved. They ruled it a suicide. I even have some proof here with a link. You can Google pedestrian killed by ambulance in Las Vegas to see more articles. There is a video too on one of the news sites of me explaining everything to the CSI guys. I will never forget that call. Everyone that was there, the time of day, the lighting. I still pass by that street and can still see the spray paint from the crime scene from point of impact all the way to where his body stopped. Every time I run it all through my head again, not in a freaked out sort of way, more of like a, whoa, that, that was some serious shit that not too many people will ever experience in their life. In high school, I took an EMT course through a local community college sponsorship. Near the end of the course, we had clinicals, and my first call was a domestic abuse case. Called in by the police, who arrived on scene after a neighbor called about a commotion next door. We arrive at the house, and it's an absolute wreck. There's broken wine glasses on the floor, flipped furniture, and trash everywhere. A large TV was still on, displaying a Call of Duty menu with the abuser's username, Asslayer something. The wife was recovering, having been knocked unconscious by her husband after being repeatedly hit with a shower rod. The abuser was locked in the patrol car at this point, next to his oversized truck and oversized sports team logos and some sort of boasting license plate. What really got me though, was the wife's reliance on this man, and her consideration to give him another chance. Apparently this had happened a number of times, though she never left because she had nowhere to go, and believed things would get better, as he usually promised afterwards. The police recommended she stay away from him and go to a care center, but she seemed against the idea. She was also afraid of getting an ambulance ride to the hospital, likely because her husband would be upset or she was worried about costs. The other calls I saw on my clinicals were certainly rough. Death, gastrointestinal bleeding, and head injuries to name a few, but nothing compares to that call. The fact that this woman found it more logical to stay with an abusive husband for support and hope of improvement rather than get help of leave astounds me. Responded to a call that a car had been forced off the road and into the river. Got to the scene and the car was upside down. The adult female driving the car had submerged from the water with a young child and was screaming that there was another kid in the back. 
searched for the other child, pulled her out, but she was completely unresponsive. Passed her off to my partner and performed CPR all the way to the hospital, but she never regained any vitals. The adult and other child made it out okay with bumps and bruises. When she was asked what had happened, she said a log truck had swerved into her lane, which had actually clipped her driver's side front fender and shot her through the guardrail and into the river. The oldest of the kids was her daughter. The younger was the daughter of her best friend that she was watching for the day and was heading back to town to meet up with. The driver of the log truck was stopped 70 miles up the road, arrested, and charged with fleeing the scene of an accident and vehicular manslaughter. Most of mine are DOAs. Mother came home from work on Mother's Day and found her 21-year-old son dead on the couch. Probably a drug overdose. Horrible thing for a mother to find. Also a 26-year-old male. Also a drug overdose. While waiting for an investigator to arrive, I'm looking at pictures on the wall. Bad idea. And see one of the patients. His wife and a newborn baby. This guy has a baby. Turns out him and his wife were separated at the moment because of his drug use, but they were working it out. Next thing I know, I hear tires screeching up outside the house, a door slam and screaming, and then a bone-wrenching, blood-curdling wail. Yep, the wife is here, and she just found out. I couldn't get out there fast enough. Another was a fellow first responder from a local agency we ran with, 16-year-old kid going to school and driving too fast on a small neighborhood road and crashed into a tree. DOA. He had a friend in the truck as well. He got pretty messed up but lived. And the worst one wasn't even my call. A paramedic I worked with had a girlfriend who he'd been with for five years, my age, was getting ready to propose to her. On her way home from work one day, she got into a wreck. He heard it come out over his personal radio. He wasn't working that day, and just knew it was her. His best friend is working that day, and it's his call. He gets there, realizes who it is, and has to pronounce her dead. They don't allow the paramedic to come to the scene, and the best friend has to go tell the paramedic that it's his girlfriend and she is dead. Shock disbelief, and pain for everyone. She was one of the nicest people I've ever met. The funeral was really sad. Then, paramedic was off work for over a month. He didn't think he'd be able to get back on a truck ever. Said the sight of an ambulance made him sick. He did eventually go back to work, just for something to do, and got over it, and promptly started dating again and got married six months later. It's not the patients themselves that get to me, it's the families. Thank you all for tuning in to tonight's episode of Tales from the Bud. The stories that I just read are a serious topic about EMTs, paramedics, search and rescue officers, etc., etc., most of these stories that I just read, I almost broke down in tears because I want to be able to help people as well. And I'd really like to get in the category of search and rescue and, you know, like forestry and stuff like that. 
Anyways, besides all of that, um, I hope that you all have a great night and tune in to the next episode, because the next episode is what you all want. The Deep Web.